Hello and welcome to the roundtable edition of the Vandy Sports Podcast, which we do every Wednesday with myself, Billy Derrick, Luke Wyatt. Gentlemen, good day. Thanks for joining me. Morning. Good to be here. We're back. All right. Our podcast, part of the 440 Sports Network. And before we begin, always a shout out to, to a couple of sponsors. We've got four of them. Uh, two of them I'm going to speak about right now. Uh, today's show is presented by The Wash House. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it stealing time to do the things you truly enjoy? Let the laundry professionals at The Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the Nashville area, the greater Nashville area, that is, drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendants will give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, and that is your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh, clean laundry ready to be put away. Check them out at washhouseclean.com. Stop in today and get your time back. That's Stephen Andrews' company. Uh, he is a dear friend of mine, a great human being, big Vandy fan. Support those who support our show. That is how we make this happen. All right, uh, guys, I haven't been in the greatest mood this week, and I think I figured out why. I didn't get my purity ice cream this week. The fridge is empty. I can't blame Oreo this time. He didn't eat all of it. But it's, it's on me, and I'm going to go get some this week. And your purity ice cream is delivered by our friends at the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Studio. It is a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro, a partnership that began 50 years ago with Purity Dairies to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. Now it's expanded to southern Kentucky, northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and north Georgia. They supply not just purity, but Haagen-Dazs, Mayfield, Nestle, if you are interested in doing business with those guys, and please do, mpmci.com. Davis Young, tremendous human being, friend of the show. Uh, get your purity ice cream and support those who help us, and you could thank us for that one too. All right, gentlemen, we are at the <laughs> what's left to say portion of the season where Vanderbilt's going to be about a 25-point underdog at Ole Miss, followed by – couple winnable games, I think. Auburn here, South Carolina there. Uh, two teams are going to be favored to beat Vandy, but at the same time, um, not both got issues. Auburn can't move the ball. South Carolina's beat up, can't stop a nosebleed, and, and can't protect Spencer Rattler. So I, I think Vanderbilt's got a shot in those games if it shows up and gives at least a, a B-plus, A-minus game. Um. We're going to hit the quarterback position in just a minute. But, but guys, what are you looking for in, in these last four games? And, oh, by the way, Tennessee will be the fourth after a bye week. Billy, I'll start with you. Yeah, Chris, I, I keep bringing this up. But last year, I know I wasn't recording with you guys, but I would love to go back to y'all y'all's episode after the South Carolina game uh, before uh, that Kentucky game. Uh, you know, I had my own podcast. I mean, the – the the mood of the fans was down. Uh, the, the I mean, you got to imagine the the morale with the team wasn't extremely high. But they found a way to to keep hitting the rock. They beat Kentucky. They beat Florida when no one thought that was possible. Um, is that same sort of thing possible this year? It's harder to say yes to that. But I, I still think I I still personally think it is with this team. Um, I think there were some encouraging things in that Georgia game. I think that we've talked about, um, and and I think that's what you're looking at now, Chris Auburn, South Carolina, um, you know, I didn't, Ole Miss. It, it's in Oxford, and we'll, we'll have the pregame show. We'll talk all about that, and then Tennessee in Knoxville. And so we know how good Ole Miss and Tennessee are, but at least from a you know from a Vanderbilt fans' perspective, I think if you could get to four by the end of this season you're feeling a little bit better and probably a lot of bit better, um, you know, at, at least heading into the off season. And Clark has talked about that. He said, you know, we've got to find a way to, to kind of jolt us into the off season. And, and because look at Georgia that I know it was, you know, moral victory and, and, you know, they don't, they're, they wouldn't say that's a moral victory. Uh, but I have a feeling a lot of people were encouraged inside that program about the Georgia game. And, and there are some things to build on. So, not the same spot, Chris, as last year, but similar. And we'll see how this program gets up off the mat. 
uh, because you know, Lord knows they they've had their chances this year. Well, uh, except for uh, Jane Franklin, I always have to put him out there as a caveat. If we were to win two SEC games in these last four, Clark would be one of the winningest SEC coaches after three years. Now that's how that's pretty scary, isn't it? To think that he would <laughs> four SEC games and, and be in the top three after James Franklin. That's that's pretty sad. But that's that's where you, that's where the Vanderbilt program is. Um, do I think that we can do it? Absolutely. But we have to do something we haven't shown yet, and that's to play. You know, I talk about the turnovers and that, but there's a uh, there's a frustration level that's hit this team. I think. And I hope I think the off week obviously was good. I I don't know anybody else has played eight straight weeks. Do you guys know? Is anybody else in the conference played eight in a row? Very I few. Uh, I, Chris, yeah. I think you're muted right now. Uh, I no. Well, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the schedule. Um, now you got several teams: Florida, Georgia, Kentucky played seven. Of course, they didn't have the the week zero game that Vanderbilt had. So, I mean, your list of FBS teams that have done that you know, would probably be what Vandy, Hawaii, maybe Notre Dame and Navy. That's it's not there's not many that could possibly even be on there. And, and none of none of them are in the SEC. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think with a team like a Vanderbilt that, that you know, depth's always an issue, it's tough to go eight straight weeks. That's a gauntlet. That's why I was kind of surprised how well they played against Georgia being so banged up. So if yeah. they can get that over, uh I know I don't think CJ will play. That's just my opinion. Don't have any inside knowledge, but I don't think CJ's playing Saturday. That's a big, big hole for this Vanderbilt team. Uh, they don't have many what I call superstars, and he's one of them. And uh, that's going to really hurt. But can we uh, – these last four, again, I think if we get to, I mean, you should be dancing in the streets. <laughs> I mean, you really should because this team has been – they've gone through a quarterback change. They went through all those massive turnovers there in the gut of the schedule. Um, the loss to UNLV, now UNLV is a bowl team. They are now 6-1. and one. Yeah. So they weren't as bad as we thought they were, even though Vanderbilt should have won that game. You know, there's it's uh, there hasn't been any easy outs on this schedule, except for the first two games, which they did win. Yeah, and I want to throw this too, Luke. Wake Forest uh, was a team – like that Wake Forest game, looking back now, might be the game that you're – you're kind of kicking yourself about. I know Wake is in the ACC, right. uh, but Wake hasn't looked. Uh, I know their quarterback's been hurt. I think they played with their third string uh, this past weekend. So Wake might even be the game now where you're looking back at and saying, man, that that might have been a game you could have gotten. Yeah, they're, they're, they're probably still going to go to a bowl. I think they're four and three, but you're right. Uh, as it turns out, and I, it's, I know you think I'm crazy, but I, I watched UNLV the other night, and they looked pretty darn good. They won on a last-second field goal. Uh, and that that true freshman quarterback, he's pretty good. Has, has, has been they're, their yeah, guy they're, they're, now. They've lost his, one game, and that's to Michigan. Yeah, his yeah. coming out party was that Vanderbilt game. He's a good yeah. player, but none of us would thought UNLV be sitting here at six and one. All right, here's here's my take. Um, after food, water, shelter, and ice cream, <laughs> I, human beings need. One thing I think is as much as anything, and that is hope. You need something to hope in. Look look at the mentality around the basketball program. Now, I, I think they've got an uphill battle this year because I think the league is as good as it's ever been. But the way Vanderbilt closed that season gave people hope for basketball. Uh, and and I, I'm not saying it's undeserved because uh, who knows what could happen. But that that's the point. You, you don't know what can happen, but you don't know that the result's going to be awful. They, they may surprise and get to the NCAA tournament. You need something to hope in if you are a Vanderbilt football fan right now. Now, that that could be answered in, in several ways. It could be answered by beating Auburn or South Carolina or, or both, you know, pulling a stunner at Tennessee, which I think is going to be really, really difficult to do. But but maybe making some games, maybe playing Ole Miss competitively, playing Tennessee competitively, something that you feel can be a launching point in the next season. You know, Clark Lee mentioned A.J. Newberry at the press conference mm -hmm. on, on Tuesday. Thought that was interesting because, Billy, what do we say all fall camp? I thought he was the most talented running back they had on the team. And I said, wait and see. We'll see if he makes a splash. in the. Well, that's a place where a good player could go a long way in helping them because their running game is not good. 2.7 yards a carry in the league. Um, 
something to provide hope. I've given you several things that, that could do that. I think that needs to be the main thing in the last month and a half of the season, because otherwise it's just become difficult to find things to discuss here. Um, let me, uh, you brought up uh, Newberry. What I understand from that standpoint was the reason why Newberry hasn't played is because they were trying to make a decision between he and Cedric. Okay. Who do we want to burn their year on? And Cedric was farther along and blocking and picking up when he has to chip and picking up this blocking mm-hmm. scheme and uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. That's the only reason it would have been flip-flopped otherwise. Interesting. Speaking of Cedric, Cedric, I think in the last few games, I think you'd agree, Chris, uh, and, and Luke, I'll see about you, has been pretty impressive. I mean, it's been a, a fairly small sample size. Right. I thought that touchdown, the touchdown against Georgia, uh, you know, it's it's nothing huge, but the way he kind of wiggled in there and just, you know, he's got that nimble uh, physique in, in the way he runs. And and I, I don't think there are many Vanderbilt running backs that come across where you just look at them and you go, you know, man, he can really help. He almost reminds me of a of a Tajay Spears with the Titans, a guy that can catch out of the backfield. You know, he can he can run physically at times as well, too. Uh, and then you mentioned Newberry, Chris. I think they really like that running back position. Now, they don't love it right now, but in, down the road, I think you're just starting to look at, you know, guys that, that you think can help this team down the road, receiver, running back, tight end. I think they know what they've got there defensively might be a little bit more of a work in progress, but I, I've been impressed with Cedric Alexander in, in the small sample size. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's done some things. Um, all right. Second topic before we hit the mailbag. And, and I know we said we'd go Billy Luke, me, but I'll, I'll, I'll lead this one off. Um, the quarterback situation. Very interesting. Uh, Ken Seals has now started three games in a row. He has thrown six touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, and, a yards per attempt that is, I think, a good yard and a half, two yards higher than his career average, which is interesting because they played three SEC games and some of his past seasons, although 2020 certainly not because that was an all-SEC schedule. Um, there have been some East Tennessee States and some other teams in there that were easier opportunities relative to what he's playing now. So point is, Ken has is, Ken is improved statistically, and it's it jumps off the page if you if you take a look at it. I know that um, the way it was phrased yesterday was that, you know, AJ still got a chance to to win the job at some point, but there was no aura on the depth chart this week. Um, the more Clark talked, the more it sounded like Ken Seals is going to be their guy going forward. Uh, you can listen to it yourself. Um, look, I, I think this is a team that has lacked some leadership, and I'm not pinning that on AJ Swan, by the way. I'm just saying – when you've got a guy that has been through the stuff Ken Seals has been through and used it to grow and mature as a person, those are the things that make good leaders. I think a lot of things are coming together that, that might make Ken Seals your quarterback for this year and beyond. And at least that was – Billy, you were in the room. That Was that the vibe that you got too? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and I actually listened to Commodore Hour on Monday night, uh, and, and Clark said, you know, same thing basically. Um, you know, and, and he brought up, uh, I thought was a good point that I didn't really think much about, uh, you know, they've seen enough in the last few weeks to see that he has stepped forward with confidence, right? He's, he has played with, with some confidence and some, I don't know, just kind of a, let's go get it done. Right. Georgia. I mean, what was it? Chris third play of the game. They, they completed to Humphreys and, and it just, it looked crisper and it has looked crisper you know, under seals. Um, and, and that's, that's what Clark said. He said, we're going to stay the course and he's taking care of the ball. Right. And at this point, they, it feels like they've established that as okay, taking care of the football with Ken seals. And, you know, we may not score 40 points, but we're going to try to rely on our defense, rely on our punter. Who's arguably the best punter in the country, flip some fields, and you know maybe eat up some clock, but at the same time, it's they haven't been able to eat up clock. So that but Seals has taken care of the ball, and that's the most important thing. And he's looked better. He 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 has looked better. I thought you saw some throws that you just hadn't really seen him make in a while. I mean, number one, he hadn't played in what two years. I thought some of those throws to McGowan 
one specifically, I don't know what McGowan's longest was last week, Chris. I think it was like a third, you know, maybe 25, 30 yards kind of in the middle, middle of the field. Uh, I was impressed by that. Uh, just certain throws Ken made where you can see he's he's kind of back to to his his freshman self, which feels like eight years ago. Uh, and after the postgame show, I I said, and me, me and Joey were bickering and back and forth. And after the game, your emotions are 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 flying high. Initially, I had said that I I thought I, I just a, a feeling came on me that I thought AJ Swan because Clark had talked so glowingly about him. You know, he's back to his normal self. I thought these last four games could have been an opportunity to say, okay, let's see what Swan has. But credit to the staff. They're sticking with Ken. Um, and I've got to reverse my tracks there. But I, I do think Ken Seals has played well. Um, now, Ken Seals playing well compared to A.J. Swan playing well. We've seen those are two different things. But he's <coughs> taking care of the football. And – I mean, at this point with this team, Luke, that, that's what matters. Well, my thing, you know, this team is starved for leadership. And Ken brings that to the table more so than A.J. Uh, I'm not being critical of A.J. Obviously, he's a talented kid. But at this point, that's probably what this team needs more than anything. And, uh, of course, the not turning the ball over has been a huge thing. And, and we you lose a little arm strength with Ken. He can still make all the throws. But, uh, you know – just to be able to be comfortable in the huddle for the other guys is huge. When you've, when you've gone through a frustrating season that these first eight games have been, you need a calming effect. And I think Ken enjoys the entire uh, experience at Vanderbilt. And, and I think that's the, that's the whole thing where, you know, you can see the kid has two more years of eligibility left. And if he improves as much as he has by setting as long as he did, imagine what he can do with another offseason. So I'm excited about Ken, and uh, he's definitely our quarterback. Uh, I don't know who number two is, to be honest with you. I think Swan's elbow flared up again yesterday. Uh, yeah, Clark did say that. He said uh, he said he's still dealing with a little bit of an arm issue. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. And yeah, I, don't, I guess that was something that flared up kind of late late in the process. Uh, but Luke, you do mention. I mean, if Seals is banged up. You know who goes out there. I think that's something <clears throat> they've had to figure out this week. Uh, Walter Taylor, do we see him? Uh, you know, Drew Dickey, do we see him? So that's that's another thing to watch. Uh, you know, down down the stretch here. I'm just intrigued at the thought of you and Joey bickering, Billy. I say I say I say bickering. That was probably the wrong word. Uh, <laughs> but we were going back and forth about the quarterback situation, um, and and we had differing opinions, but. Uh, we've uh, we've we've probably come around to that. <laughs> Do we need to get these guys some boxing gloves? I don't know. It <laughs> might might be this much fun as we've had this year. Uh, I, I, I pay to see that. <laughs> we'll be there um, all day Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Billy. I'll let you get the mailbag ready. Uh, while I'm doing that, I'm gonna, I'm going to let you know about our sponsors for the mailbag. Um, it is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a the longest running sponsor of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Um, Hopefully you do not need an injury law firm, but if you do, man, love those guys. Taylor Sutherland, Russell Belk, tremendous human beings, more importantly in your case, great at their job. Um, 615-846-6200, see what your rights are and if they can help. It is a small family-run firm where you get a lot of attention. You're very important to them, and, and just both of them are wonderful people, and we appreciate their support of the show here. Uh, our guest line presented by John Levin and the Maynard Nexus Government Contracts Group. Why is that so hard to say? Maynard Nexus advises government contractors on all aspects of their needs with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. They got their very own Chris Lee over there. You don't need me. You need theirs if you need help with government contracts. So be sure to check them out. They've got a website that is expansive. You can easily find that on Google, and we appreciate those two sponsors for helping make our show possible. All right, Billy, lead us off in the mailbag, please. All right, leading off, Ann Arbor Door asks, Norman Jordan and Barton Simmons had Norman on last week, uh, and Barton, I would guess, during one of his Commodore Hour visits uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, they have both stated that inexperienced freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and sophomores are playing more snaps this year 
than inexperienced players in the same classes played last year. How much of the drop-off in performance this year is due to more inexperienced players taking snaps? I, we, we, I mean, we've talked about this uh, as we lose Luke for a moment there. Uh, we, and, and a lot of people have had it on Andrew Allegretta, Kevin Ingram, and Norman Jordan. I mean, they have hinted at the inexperience, and you know, it might be something that people forget about occasionally. Uh, but defensively, in that Georgia game, Luke, I thought it was interesting. There was a point in the game where I look around at the defense and I see Brian Longwell, a freshman. Um, you know, Nick Rinaldi, a, I mean, a walk-on who, you know, he's in his second year of playing football, I think. Um, you know, Langston Patterson, who's still young, but has been playing really well. And in the secondary, Martell Height, freshman, just freshmen and sophomores all over the field. Um, and, you know, it, it's – Number it's it's twofold. It's it's a bad thing for this program because you have to do those. You you, you kind of force those guys into action. But on the on the flip side, it's it's good to see them and 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 see those those flashes, right? You see those flashes and you look to the future and you go, oh, you know he Longwell can be a good player. Uh, Langston Patterson, you know, really showed out. I thought in that Georgia game. But at the end of the day. You know, you can't win with freshmen and sophomores in the SEC. And uh, Barton actually said that. He he said, you know, listen, we you, you just you can't. You know, you're not you're not not even Georgia and Alabama. I mean, look at Kirby Smart early in his Georgia tenure. Vanderbilt beat him. <laughs> you know, so because they were inexperienced and you know he hadn't gotten his guys in there yet and developed. So I think it's been a huge part, and I think you guys would agree. And I think that's something fans forget about occasionally where you go, even with A.J. early in the season, right? I mean, it's been, it's been all over the place for this team. Uh, and so I think it's been huge. And, and Luke, you look at it and you go, where's the hope? Well, the hope is that this year was huge for these guys, right? The freshmen and sophomores. So uh, to answer that question, for me personally, the drop-off in performance, I mean, it, I think it's directly correlated with, with the inexperience. Ray Davis and Mike Wright in that backfield last year, they're both gone. You saw Mike Wright win a game. I don't know if you'd say win a game, but they they beat um, you know, they beat uh Auburn. Or no, it wasn't Auburn. Who did they? Arkansas. They beat State. Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah. 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 Mississippi State beat Arkansas, Kentucky, and I mean, without Ray Davis, I don't know where Kentucky be this year. I mean, he's been really their workhorse. So and those two guys are gone. So you plug and play Swan, uh, Cedric Alexander, younger guys. So Luke, I I think it's I think it's really directly correlated. Now, there's a lot of other issues, but I think that's been a huge part, especially the last three or four weeks. No, I agree. Uh, uh, not having to play the youth uh, would have been nice because a lot of that was because of injury. Uh, I think what has to happen, though, and I've mentioned this before, the most important thing is not these next four football games for Vanderbilt. The most important thing is postseason and retention of these young guys that are getting this experience and that other coaches out there are seeing them flash and say, hey, let's cherry pick this guy from Vanderbilt. We, you know, we, I know we don't want to get into that maybe right now, but I think that's, that's what I'm looking forward to more than anything is to see these guys tweet out, hey, running it back again next year, glad to be here at Vandy, mm-hmm. we're moving forward and all that. That's what we got to see because uh, playing youth is fine in our situation right now. But uh, you have to retain those kids. I think this is one of a kind of a both sides have some truth in it. Here's what I mean by that. I, I don't think they are losing football games because they are a young team. Um, it's it's not like they have lost Casey Hayward and Myron Lewis to injury and, and now they're playing freshmen because they had another choice. Um, they're, they're, they are awfully banged up. And I think you've got some guys that have played hurt all year but look, Billy, when you and I went to, to fall camp, we said concerns are corners. I was very concerned about the running game. Those things have been huge concerns, and you've had some other things pop up too, like dismal offensive line play that we weren't planning on. So with that, because at first I thought, I, I don't know about that, but then I started looking because the, the facts are, are how we determine what's true and what's not. So – I'm just going to read you a list of names of guys that are first or second year plays or players who have played 
major to somewhat significant roles at some point this season. And here's your list, and it's a pretty good-sized one. Jade McGowan, Junior Sherrill at wide receiver. Oh, London Humphreys, too. And again, these are all first and second year players at running back Cedric Alexander, Chase Gillespie, quarterback AJ Swan, Walter Taylor's had a few reps, tight end Cam Johnson, true freshman. Uh, offensive line, you're looking at Grayson Morgan and Leighton Nelson. Defense, Martel Height, starting corner, true freshman. Trudell Berry and Quantavis Gaskins are, are your guys at the other corner, both second year guys. Uh, anchor, your backups, Jeffrey Ugo Chukwu, Bryce Cowan, both second-year guys. Savin Riley, second-year guy, playing a lot of reps at safety. Linebacker, Langston Patterson, sophomore. Nick Rinaldi, sophomore. Brian Longwell, freshman. Uh, star, B.J. Diacate. Defensive lineman, Isa Otara. Or Wataha. I think we're back to calling Wataha now. Mm -hmm. I think they put that on the pronunciation guide. So if you're keeping score at home, there you go. Uh, Demarion Thomas, Bradley Mann, Darren Agu, line of zunk. That's that's a lot of names, guys. And again, when I say sophomore, I'm not in freshman. I'm not talking about red shirts there. They, these are first and second year guys. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there's something there. And look, the the path when you were in one of these kind of seasons, if it is going badly, what you want to do is get those guys reps because that helps you win a year, two years, three years from now. So I, I think given the path the season is on, I, I don't think that's an awful idea. Yeah, we, and we've we've seen that before. Uh, late in seasons, you start to see these flashes. Uh, and specifically last year, um, you know, I mean, you, you've seen it, coaches. I mean, that, that's that's what they want to see as well. Titans <laughs> just decided to start Will Levis. You guys see what you got, right? <laughs> see what you got uh, in the in the young guys. So, all right, Colombiano Door is the regression after Ken Seals' freshman year due to scheme or something psychological going on with Ken? What was the nature of his ongoing injury that second season? I wouldn't know uh, really much of anything there, Chris. I know you had Ken on your podcast. Uh, I don't know if it was during that freshman year, and, and you're actually fairly close uh, with Ken. Um, so you would probably be the best guy to go to there. Yeah, I, I know for a fact that the 2021 season, Ken Seals was dealing with, with three different injuries of, of different parts of the body and, and different severities. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, in addition to that, Offensive coordinator changed, blocking scheme changed, um, you know, the whole coaching staff changed. Everything changed on him. And then he's healthy, uh, you know, like he went through the winless season. They go out, they get beat by ETSU. I, I just think that between – and this is me, and, and this is not – these are not Ken Seals' words, but I, I just look at the, the health situation. I look at what had to be – a lot of circumstances that could have contributed to a lack of confidence that were basically beyond his control. I look at the change in systems. Uh, th th there just was not a lot going Ken Seals' way. Uh, and, and look, he didn't play great. Sometimes the judgment wasn't great. But I, th I think in that situation, it was a very, very difficult spot to be in. And, and then basically last year, um, in, in addition to – you know, not not being a starter. Look, when when you're the three for the season, the, the guys that get reps during game week are ones and twos. So you, you throw a lost season on top of it. I see a guy that has dealt with a lot of adversity. He's learned and he's grown from it. Um, if you have not listened to Ken's Ken Seals speak after, let's see which game was it. Um, so Missouri. Missouri game, Billy. I, I think it was Missouri. Very impressive press conference, mature kid. Um, I, I think you're looking at a guy that mentally is a lot different than the, the guy that you last saw in 2021. Well, uh, you're, you're dead on, Chris. And the maturation process, just living life and what he's gone through at Vanderbilt, period, has made him a better quarterback. And uh, the, like I said, after this season's over, hopefully he'll stay healthy and uh, we win a game or two down the stretch. 
and he goes in the next year and, uh, you know, with a positive attitude, which he always has. I mean, I remember watching that kid. Uh, he was always into the games, even though he knew he had no chance of getting in the game uh, last year. And I just – I admire a kid like that because that's not easy. My, today's kids, and I'm not being critical of the kids themselves, but you, you guys know as well as I do, most kids would not hang around for that. They'd be gone. And yeah. – uh, there's a debt of gratitude owed to Ken Seals. Yeah, he feels like an important <clears throat> puzzle piece for this program right now. Um, yeah. I mean, I, without Ken and that, you know, that leadership. I mean, he's been here. Chris, is this his fifth year or sixth year? Fourth. Oh, it's his fourth. Time flies when you're having fun, Billy. I but mean, it feels like he has been here forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, no. It, Guys, I'm sorry to be distracting, but I've got a problem. I got sun coming through on my face, so I'm going to move where I'm sitting. <laughs> well, I'll ask the question while you do that. This a little better. Are you are you that decorated looks... for Christmas already? My wife, yes. She's <laughs> what is wrong with you? Eight trees in this house. Hey, I don't. Tre- I don't like it. Uh, it's it's crazy. I think it's in the Constitution that you're not allowed to decorate your house for Christmas until Halloween has passed. Hey, he's got Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas all at the same time. It's she loves holidays. I, I am I am very anti putting up anything Christmas until after Thanksgiving has passed. Uh, it's just it's it's not negotiable with me. Well, luckily he doesn't ask for my help because she knows I don't have any decoration blood in my body. So she does it all herself too. All eight trees. Well, I'm sorry you all had to see that. <laughs> you want to see them all? Here's another one in the corner. <laughs> Holy cow! When she does it, she goes all out, doesn't oh, she? Big... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Colombiano door. Oh, he, he actually just asked that question. My bad. Uh, let's see. Papa Hick for VU. What's your take on Lee and his decision to use up as much clock as possible? even when down multiple scores deep into the second half in order to simply try and make the score more respectable rather than actually trying to move the ball and put the team in a position to actually try and win or get within striking distance. Um, I don't, I mean, making the score respectable. I mean, I don't, this team's trying to win, right? They're, they're trying, they're trying to win games that now it might've seemed that way in that Georgia game specifically, uh, and and on the flip side, there are times, and Chris, I think you'd agree, where it it feels like they're not aggressive enough, whether it's late in a half uh, or you know late in a game, right? I mean, right before halftime of a lot of these games, it's it's it just hasn't felt like there's been a sense of urgency with this offense, and so that has to change at the end of halves. And Clark talked about that too, the middle eight. Right, they they have been it's been bad in the middle eight. I mean, middle eight of these games that's the most important part of the game, and they've they've just been flat out pretty bad. Um, and so I don't I don't agree with the you know the the point there of just trying to make the score respectable. It might seem that way, but th- this team's trying to trying to win games and trying to do what they think uh, can win games, but. It I can see why it feels like that, especially at the end of these halves, Luke, where, you know, and I think it was Missouri. Yeah, it was Missouri where they called timeouts uh, at the end of that, at the end of the first half in attempt to get the ball back. They got the ball back, didn't end up scoring, but that could have, Missouri could have gotten back on the board because they, they have that much confidence in their offense. Now Vanderbilt doesn't have Missouri's offense. That's, that's probably the kicker. Um, but Luke, I mean, it, at times at have at the end of halves it does seem like what's the plan or or what's the goal uh, at, at times well i don't think there's any way you you're trying to slow the game down and keep the score down if that was the case he'd just be turning around and handing the ball off and you'd run right. the clock down to 1 second before snapping it every time i've seen coaches do that rod dowhower did that at vanderbilt at florida where all we did was hand the ball off and he told the team we were going to do that which is bad <laughs> So I've seen that happen. There's a way to keep – I mean, we, we could have lost the Georgia game by one less touchdown if we would really wanted to hand the ball off and not try to score. But 
because we were aggressive throwing the football. You've seen what happened in the first drive of the game. We bam, bam, bam down the field. Mm-hmm. And also when the score was uh, – when we – we're, we're making it a one-score game, basically. If we get that two-point conversion, it's 30-22. to 22. So I don't understand where people are coming from trying to win the game. You're playing the number one team in the country. When you're still trying to find your identity, which is crazy to think. But, you know, I, I, I don't have – I don't see the criticism there. I've had some issues with it at times. I thought there were times that they could have used some more urgency. Uh, you know, the the two for one in basketball is kind of a, a popular idea that's gained some traction. I think there there's some equivalencies in football uh, that that you can use that. And so, just from a in a vacuum standpoint, that there've been some times that I've I've seen that, and I didn't like it. Now, the flip side, and you heard Clark talk about this at Tuesday's press conference. He basically said, hey, if we just bagged it there at the end of the second half, we're not down a touchdown. Now, look, the, the problem the problem all hinges from from what team you're managing, right? Um, and I'm, yes. I'm trying to find the – because here's the problem, okay? If, if you were most teams, you, you – Like, it's easy manage. to do that if you're Missouri. Well, here's here's the point I'm making. I'm trying to find the drive, and I'm not immediately able to find it, but it doesn't really change the facts materially. What they, they throw an interception with, I want to say, 37 seconds left. That's the number that stuck in my mind. Georgia goes, what, three plays, 70 yards, 60-something yards, mm-hmm. whatever it was, and tacks on a touchdown. Now, just about every other defense in the league, you, you're probably not going to score – three plays, 70 yards, whatever it was, especially when defense is, can adjust and, and know what's coming. So he's kind of boxed in wherever he goes. And, and again, some of that is the backdrop of the team he coaches. But I, I do think at times um, there, there has been a little bit of a lack of urgency. I think there's a question about tempo in here too, isn't there? I feel like I I looked at the mailbag. Is that one coming, Billy? Uh, I thought I saw. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the okay. next one, actually. I'll, I'll um, say part of my answer for that. But, yeah, I, I, th- I think there's something there, but you can't really unpack the, the whole answer and be fair about it without acknowledging, hey, look, they, they just did what people would have wanted them to do, and it cost them seven points last time out also. Yeah, that, that leads us into Godor's 94, his question. What gives us our best chance to win? I think this is a good one right now. Being aggressive, pass first, up tempo on offense, or trying to shorten the game and control the clock. And I, I think I said this earlier. Deciding to start Ken Seals, number one, he's 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 protected the football. He's taken care of the football. He hasn't made mistakes. Um, so I think that says shortening the game and controlling the clock, taking care of the football you know, completing passes here or there when you can is what they feel like they have to do to win games right now. Being aggressive, pass first, up-tempo on offense, that's what they try to do. And not Maybe not as much tempo, but, I mean, to start the season, it was A.J. Swan. You didn't see as much Cedric Alexander. You saw a lot of Will Shepard. You saw a lot of Jaden McGowan. Um, not as much London Huck. Well, you, you saw Humphreys, but it feels like they have made, you know, that shift with seals in there and that Georgia game, you saw some formations, you saw some shifts, you saw some motions that you hadn't really seen uh, up until that point. So that's, that's my opinion. I think right now their best option. And again, maybe they don't win a game the rest of the season, but if they do, I think it's because they created takeaways defensively. They shortened the game. They controlled the clock, and they took care of the football. I mean, I just don't see. I, I don't see this team isn't built to to go Tennessee up tempo. You know, spread the ball around. I just don't think they have the personnel for that. Um, and so, Chris, Luke, I don't know what you think, but it well, just that's the way it feels for me. Historically, and again, take out the James Franklin years, everyone. Uh, we're talking 100 out of 103 years. Historically, when Vanderbilt has been competitive and won't be able to beat teams that they should beat, they've done what you just talked about. They've shortened the game. Jerry DiNardo's offense, he won five games every year except one year. I think they won four. 
but he was competitive in just about every game except for the when they were outmatched talent-wise. And that's the best way for any team. You want to be able to strike a balance, obviously. But for Vanderbilt, when you're less talented most of the time, you know, Watson Brown tried it the other way. He lost games 42 to 38. His teams, his games were fun to watch, but they couldn't stop anybody. So he knew he had to score a bunch of points, and he did. But he still didn't win games. So as a fan, I don't know which you'd rather watch, something like the eye bone that Jerry DiNardo watched, if you have a chance to win the fourth quarter, or would you rather lose 42 to 38 and see an entertaining football game? All right. Um, again, this is the part where I, I sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I, I will explain. Um, ultimately, the answer, it, the big picture answer in a situation like you're in, the more plays you have in a football game, the better chance the better team is going to win that game. So from a philosophical standpoint, trying to shorten the game makes a lot of sense. But but every time Vanderbilt has a coaching vacancy, what's what's one thing you hear? Hey, they need to run the triple option. Go hire a triple option coach and make it happen. What What is the reason for that? Well, historically, and by historically, I mean Offensive basically lineup. never in anybody's lifetime listening to this podcast have they had a talent advantage against the rest of the league. And so what happens is you have to come up with something that's unique and novel and harder to prepare for in keeping an opponent off balance. And, and that's one criticism I do have of the coaching staff, and, and, and maybe it's unfair. It feels like to me, I wonder if they can take some more shots to keep teams off balance, offensively or defensively times. And I remember, Billy, which game was it? Was it, uh, I want to say was the 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 stretch in the Missouri game where they would um, tip for a couple plays, Seals mm-hmm. hit a couple of passes to Quincy Skinner, and they were they were keeping Missouri off balance uh, with without, and I think that ended up leading to a score. I, I think sometimes you you have to throw all that out the window if you tap into a little something that is working and giving the team some confidence. And God knows this team has desperately lacked confidence and fire and passion and all those things. And so I, I do wonder if in spots. It is worth, and then they went away from it. And I thought maybe maybe that's one of those things that you just kind of go with until it stops working. Because hat for hat, you're not as good as these guys are. And so that's where I maybe make a distinction where I I wish they would at times take some more shots with this and that. But but the bigger picture answer is, um, you know, if if you get in a shootout week in and week out with teams with a bunch of plays that typically common sense says does not favor what you're trying to do there. They got a second part to that question. And I think this is a good one as well. How does our defense compare statistically under Jesse mentor in year one versus the last two years under Nick Howell. And I, I, I went back and looked at the stats from the defensive stats from those years. Year one under Jesse mentor, they average, they averaged given up 6.8 yards per play, uh, 457 yards per game and 36 points per game. Year two was similar, a little bit worse. Uh, seven yards per game, 461 yards per game, uh, and then or seven yards per play, and then 36 points per game. So same same points per game. This year has actually been better, at least so far. I know sample size, but 5.7 yards per play, 384 yards per game, 32 points per game. So from year one to year two, you saw a little bit of a drop-off. I think that is overanalyzed at times by by some Vanderbilt people. Uh, but I just take the stats away from year one, year two, it did feel like there was a drop uh, defensively. And the stats, the stats do prove it out, barely, but they do. Um, year three, though, and I know it's a smaller sample size so far, I think they're on track to be a little bit better. Um, and my, those are this. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. My question there is, does that factor in the pick sixes and scoop and score and all that stuff? Uh, sh- yes, yes and no. Uh, yards per play, they are. But now, SEC stats are kind of ugly. If you look at those, uh, they're giving up almost 40 points a game and, and like 480-something yards. Um, Right, so, but- yeah, I mean, they've gotten dinged a little bit. Uh, th- certainly the scoring, but, I mean, the, the yards per play on a whole has gotten better. I think that's one reason on SP Plus they're ranked better 
than they are in the other systems mm-hmm. and other major computer rankings. Right. But, but yeah, and carry on. Well, and I think the question points to something we have talked about uh, in that, you know, you lose a guy like a Jesse Minner who all of a sudden might be in some trouble at Michigan. We'll see how that pans out. Uh, but, you know, it just hasn't since year one, you know, and again, the players, we talk about Jimmy's and Joe's, right? You know, from year one, they've gotten, they've gotten younger. Year one, you had a little bit more experience, right? Uh, year two, starting to throw a few more younger guys in there. Year three now, I mean, Chris, we looked, we looked out there during the George game and said, look at, look at these young guys. And look at all these, you, you counted them off. And so that, that's what you're working with. You're working with inexperience and, and inexperience comes with, with some, some bad numbers, but all of a sudden they could be better uh, in year three, uh, you know, even without Jesse Minner. So I think we've lost Luke here, but uh, that, uh, that just about does it for the mailbag. Yeah. Well, um, Luke, I guess, uh, I guess you got shocked by maybe some of the Christmas lights in there. Or I may, maybe so. What what comes around goes around. It, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luke, our, our, if, you're, if you're listening to the audio version, uh, we do a video version of this, and it just hey, I'm, there he is. <laughs> we thought the wrench had snatched you. It's funny when I get a, uh, I don't know if I get a uh, a call email, yeah. it goes away. I hardly ever get those, but I just got one. Sorry about that. Uh, gentlemen, I, I guess out of time, out of topics, unless you guys have something else. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, like I said, the, the last four games are important from the fact that yeah, it'd be great to win a couple of them. But more importantly is this game, the Tennessee game, so far this year, yeah, we've lost every game by double digits in the conference. But we haven't been embarrassed like sixty-five to nothing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That need, that's important for the this game and probably the Tennessee game, and uh, well, any of them. But you know what I mean. And then the two that you have, you feel like you have a better than ten percent chance to win would be Carolina and Auburn. Uh, just keep showing improvement. Don't start. T- don't don't go back to old habits that you had early in the year, and uh, hopefully keep the guys encouraged because guys. I've always said this, and one of our former coaches said this, football is the toughest sport to play without the reward of winning. It's a grind, man. Mm-hmm. And these kids to go through it over and over again, you you think as a fan you're unhappy or as or frustrated like Chris, you're frustrated because you've seen so much losing. I've seen a ton of it too. But I also know I, those kids are going to keep trying and keep working their butt off, and that's all they can do. That's all they can do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think I think there's some bigger picture topics that need to be addressed probably after the season's over, which we will. Um yeah. we're at the point where you just you have to ration the comments for a number of reasons. <laughs> One of which being there's only so much to say at this point. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I think this has been hard on everybody. And I, I think the worst thing is, and this is kind of where the fan, but you you get a little glimpse of hey. Maybe you don't have to live in constant misery. And and they got that in the last year. Uh, and, and I think a season like this is tougher to take when, when you get a, some light at the end of the tunnel and then it gets mm-hmm. snatched away. And, and they, again, going back to what I said near the first of the show, they've got to find some way uh, that, that people can dial some hope up going forward in the, in the last four games. Yeah, you find out the light at the end of the tunnel was a gorilla with a flashlight. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah that's uh, not not the first time we've seen that but uh hey uh we're we're here to get through it with all of you listeners and we do appreciate all of you uh we appreciate our sponsors hey look we got to make a living too what keeps this alive are sponsorships memberships to vanitysports.com uh Nice comments. Hey, if you've not gone on the podcast feed and rated the podcast, g- give that a give that a five star rating and, and some nice comments. You you occasionally get some haters that, that are out there that that try to drag you down, and we're not perfect, but those things help us. They help us get noticed. Um, <laughs> there's there's not many of you left, so so help those of you find other like minded people by doing those things to help us out. Anyway, uh, for. 
I'm going to show everybody the trees. That'll, that'll be in the broadcast. Here we go. What about that one? You like that one? <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what, no, what are the photos behind it? I wanted to see those. The photos <laughs> behind it? What are you talking yeah. about? That's just some artwork we had done. Oh, okay. There's a there's a glare. I thought they look kind of black and goldish. So anyway, this is a free tour of my of my crib. There's another one. Can you see that tree? Yeah. There we go. Um, and you you guys are gonna love this. Hang with me. <laughs> Hang with me. Hang with we me. We need we need this every episode. You do, man. I mean, hey, let's make everybody feel better. There's another one in the bedroom. Oh. And how about this? How many houses have one in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> not, not mine. <laughs> Luke, do you guys keep these, or uh, do you where? Where do you guys store all these? These are stored in our garage, and we have a couple of kids that are high school football players help her get them in the house, and then she decorates. So, <laughs> the gold. Not, this is not endorsement, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> retweets are not endorsements <laughs> all right uh in all seriousness thank you guys both uh th thank you for all you do it, it's it's been a difficult season I, i've covered enough of these to know how hard they are to talk about um <laughs> there is an element of oh boy here we go again that gets frustrating um you, you probably hear that in my voice from time to time but um uh, Four games left. Uh, we, we will cover what there is to cover. Hopefully there's some better things ahead. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Luke and Billy. This is the Vanity Sports Podcast. We'll see you again. Billy, you got an episode coming up Thursday, right? The pregame? Uh, yes, that'll be out uh, Friday morning. So, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh, Good Ole Miss guest if you, <laughs> you want to learn about Ole Miss and – and uh, see what see what Vandy's getting into, and then I'm, I'm going to have uh, Watson Brown on. I'm going to record something with Watson Brown. So, um, Did, were you able to we'll, grab uh, Neil McCready for that one? Uh, yes, I'm recording something good. with Neil. So that, yeah, that'll be on. He's always yeah. good. He's he is one of my favorite two or three people in this profession. So uh, I'm sure that'll be great. But uh, looking forward to it. Hey, yeah, Billy, tell, tells it like it is. Billy, do me one favor when Watson's on. Ask him this question. Say, so, do you remember? When the crew team wanted to run the steps during practice, just ask him that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Should I mention your name? Yeah, just say when Luke White asks you, is it okay if the crew team runs the stadium steps during practice? You're going to love what Watson said, what his answer was. And it's not PG, it's G, but it's funny. Okay, I will. Th things that do not happen in Alabama for 800, please, Alex. No. <laughs> 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 all right it's been fun guys appreciate you guys appreciate our audience uh thanks for watching and listening to the vandy sports podcast we'll see you again soon